1: They're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It starts the same way. Can I tell you a secret?
3: It would start off with a random girl and just say, "Hey, hun, I'm going to tell you some secret now. Please don't mention it to anybody." Keep a but it quickly escalates. It just spread like a wildfire. I still sleep with clubs next to my bed. I didn't know how far this was going to go. People seldom show
2: their true selves online, but one man—he's taken it much further. I was terrified. Who is the cyberstalker behind these messages?
3: He actually said to me, good luck, proving it's me. And why is he sending them? Because he became more and more isolated. He just went within himself even further.
0: Do you punish someone for acting out whatever is going on in their mind that we don't understand?
3: And if I could just turn back the clock? From The Guardian,
2: I'm Shirin Kyler. And this is, can I tell you a secret? A story about obsession, fear, and the lives we lead online. Search for Can I Tell You a Secret wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now. All episodes will be available on Friday,
1: the 23rd of September.
3: Over the past week, much of the world has been transfixed on events following the death of the Queen and the ascension of King Charles III.
0: Here, where Queen Elizabeth was married and crowned, we gather from across the nation, from the Commonwealth and from the nations of the world, to mourn our loss.
3: In the days before the Queen died, the UK also gained a new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, And the cabinet of ministers, she chose to run the government alongside her. I have just accepted Her Majesty the Queen's kind invitation to form a new government. I'm honoured to take on this responsibility at a vital time for our country. One appointment in particular came as a surprise. Brexiteer Jacob Rees-Mogg was made Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy.
0: He now has the critical climate brief in Cabinet. So, Labour, SNP, Lib Dems joining Greens in seeing red, along with a host of campaigners.
3: His first task dealing with the cost of living crisis by tackling sky rocketing energy prices. Keeping in mind our legally binding targets on greenhouse gas emissions. So, What's the UK government's position on how we could solve our energy problems? And will it be consistent with promises made on the climate? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay and this is Science Weekly. Fiona Harvey, as The Guardian's environment correspondent, you've been doing analysis of the UK's new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and her government. And they've got some seriously daunting challenges ahead, including the energy and cost of living crises. And one of the people Liz Truss put in charge of helping to solve these problems was MP Jacob Rees-Mogg, as Secretary of State for Business and Energy. When you heard that he would be taking on that role, what went through your mind?
2: Well, um, it was certainly surprise. I spoke to one leading energy expert who said his words were, God help us, because in the past, he's been quite a climate sceptic. And his interest in energy has been really just to try and talk about extracting the most in terms of fossil fuels that the UK can, rather than showing any kind of deep knowledge of the UK's real energy position and what's feasible, what's realistic, what's economic and what's in line with our net zero ambition.
3: You said he's known as a bit of a climate sceptic. What has his attitude been to green policies and the environment up until now?
2: He's not been a great supporter of net zero, uh, we can say that. And he has in the past. He's cast doubt on climate science, on humanity's ability to tackle the climate crisis through reducing greenhouse gas emissions. He's been quite against uh, renewable energy and, of course, Famously, he said that we need to squeeze every last cubic inch of gas out of the North Sea, which is just not going to help solve the energy crisis that we're in. It's not going to help to solve the energy crisis in the future either, and it's certainly not going to help with the climate crisis.
0: We must have energy independence and become a net exporter of energy by 2040. We cannot be held captive by volatile global markets or malevolent states. We must tackle the root causes of problems in our energy market by boosting domestic supply.
3: You've certainly given us an impression of Jacob Rees-Mogg and his position on green policies so far since being put into this role of Secretary of State for Business and Energy. He's announced several different measures to tackle what he called a broken energy system here in the UK. Starting with a favorite topic of yours, Fiona fracking. What did he announce there?
2: Yeah, on fracking, he's certainly been uh, a supporter of it. The government has said that it does want to go ahead with fracking. Whether that is actually going to result in large fracking operations is a different matter. Bear in mind that people have been trying to frack in the UK for more than a decade, and no one has yet successfully sold any gas from the UK. And the fracking operations that we've had have run into myriad difficulties. There's been protests of course but there's also been technical problems and there's been just the difficulty of doing something that requires a lot of land and a sort of large-scale industrialization of the countryside.
3: So something that's more likely but potentially just as problematic is the proposal that the UK extract every ounce of oil and gas from the North Sea so, what are your thoughts on that one?
2: In terms of the operations that there are currently in the North Sea, there are some people who say that we should be trying to extract as much as we can because there is a gas shortage in Europe, uh, because some countries are looking at a return to coal because there's such a problem with gas, and that, you know, in the current circumstances, making the most economic use of the operations we have is sensible. There's certainly an argument for that. When it comes to new operations, new wells on new sites, that's a completely different issue because if you start exploring a new site now, you will not be producing any gas from that for probably at least 10 years, possibly much longer. At that point, we get into really serious trouble because we need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by about half between now and the end of the decade. And then by 2050, we need to be at net zero, so we need to be not producing uh, oil and gas.
0: Therefore, I'm also announcing that we're lifting the moratorium on fracking, that we will extract every ounce of oil and gas from the North Sea and we will push ahead. With green schemes as well to ensure that we have energy stability and independence.
3: Well, I think that takes us on to renewables because in a video, Jacob Rees Mogg published outlining his plans he did also say that they would push ahead with green schemes as well to ensure energy stability and independence and he said that he's committed to a green industrial revolution but to get there we need oil and gas for me this was all a bit of a mixed message i'm interested in what you think this shows about his real commitment to renewables
2: Is there a real commitment to renewables from this government? That is a moot question. Offshore wind is relatively unproblematic and the price of offshore wind has plummeted. Onshore wind is even cheaper because it's easier and it's the most economic way of producing energy in the UK at the moment with gas prices the way they are. And most people, are in favour. Even if you say, yeah, we're going to put them up next to your house. People say, yeah, that's fine. And Tory voters like them too. And yet somehow we seem to have a Tory party that is is stuck in the past from about 20 years ago. So we have these planning restrictions on onshore wind turbines. And every sign is that those regulations will be kept. They could even be Strengthened.
3: And what about solar? Do they have a position on that? Well, Liz Truss
2: was very down on solar during the leadership campaign. Even though um solar is actually very economic as well. Um, there's also huge potential for solar power for consumers. People want to put these things uh, on their roofs and it's quite difficult at the moment to get them because there's so many people who want to have them installed. We don't actually have the the capacity. We don't have the number of installers that we need. And we also have warehouses all over the place because uh, so many people buy things uh, over the internet now and these warehouses have got acres of roofs that could be covered in solar panels. And one of the problems there is that the electricity grid is not set up to take all that power so we need a government that will take away the barriers to solar use but I see little sign of that happening.
0: What really matters is that people should be able to heat their homes at an affordable level and that this is going to be heavily dependent on gas for years to come that 2050 is still quite a long time away it doesn't change the long-term ambition that's fine but in the meantime let's do it for ourselves let's make sure we have energy security and whilst we're thinking about it food security is going to be pretty important too.
3: Thinking more long term and to the twenty fifty net zero target, Liz Truss has committed her government to this, but they've also launched a review to ensure that delivering this won't place undue burdens on businesses or consumers. I may be wrong, but to me it sounds like they're kicking the can down the road a little bit. But of course, I think you'll know better. What are your thoughts on the report and Again, their commitment to the net zero target.
2: The net zero target is enshrined in law that the UK must reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. We are way, way uh, off track in terms of delivering on that target. And the Independent Committee on Climate Change, which is a body that advises the government, they warned earlier this year that the government needed to take action urgently. What the chairman of that committee said at the time was that the government had willed the end, but not the means. If we're always going to be worrying about, you know, what's an undue burden, then we're never going to get anywhere. There are lots of policies available. These range from insulation to more public transport, cheaper public transport. Lots of these things would make people's lives better, but we're just not seeing the enthusiasm to take them up.
3: Fiona, if we're not holding our breath for Jacob Rees-Mogg, is there anyone who could sway things back towards a more positive path when it comes to government policy on energy and the environment? We've just got a new king, Charles III, and he's pretty well known for being a bit of an environmentalist. And are there any other people in government as well that you think maybe look promising?
2: The king has indeed uh, said a lot publicly about the environment before now. We won't expect him to say much in future because now he's king. Although the environment is not a political issue in the same sense as other aspects of economic or social policy. Uh, The environment is about the facts of the natural world and the laws of physics and chemistry. Um, I think the biggest influence on Liz Truss is likely to be reality. Liz Truss has taken office based on the votes of a a tiny number of of people who are members of the Conservative Party. I think there are about 160,000 people who are eligible to vote for that. At some point, she's going to have to face the real electorate. And we know from poll after poll that people do care about the climate and the environment. People do want to see action. And we know that people do understand the argument that taking action to bring down emissions can also help to reduce the cost of living. This is what voters want. So I think that is going to be the collision with reality that Liz Truss will have. um, And that will come sooner or later.
3: Well, I will be hoping for sooner rather than later. Fiona, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Fiona Harvey. You can find all her reporting at theguardian.com. Hopefully you caught the trailer at the start of this episode, but if not, I just want to let you know about a six-part Guardian podcast, Can I Tell You a Secret? about a cyberstalker who wreaked havoc online and why he did it. I know that it's going to be a great listen, which is why I'm excited that all the episodes are going to be available on Friday the 23rd of September to binge. Subscribe to Can I Tell You A Secret wherever you get your podcasts. And if this episode really piqued your curiosity, then I'd recommend the three-week online Guardian Masterclass focused on the climate crisis, which is starting on Monday the 3rd of October. You'll get to hear more from our journalists, including Fiona Harvey, as well as activists and scientific experts. Find out more and book your place online at theguardian.com forward slash climate-masterclass. That's theguardian.com forward slash climate masterclass. And that's it for today. The producers were me, Madeline Finley, and Rachel Porter. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo, and the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
0: This is The Guardian.
1: Looking for your next great podcast?